Mark chapter 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. We've heard messages on this that the Lord has given to Paskarba about that cult that was going to be employed in the service of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There's a fulfillment of the prophecy from Zechariah, and the cult was required. And we have heard from the message that this cult was bound, was tied, was bound, and could not be usable until it was untied and unbound. The Lord said, loose it. Give it the freedom so that it can come and serve the purpose for the Master. Sickness is a burden and it is a binding factor in our lives where we cannot move about freely and do the things God wants us to do. Although the Lord will use different things doesn't mean that it's meant to be always. Although he allows things to happen, it doesn't mean that it is his perfect will. Although he'll speak to us and refine us through the fire, we're not meant to be in it always. And so we have every right as sons and daughters of the Most High God to say, Lord, loose me by your mighty power, by your word. Send your word and heal me. And I can move about again. Hallelujah. God wants to bring us out of the darkness, out of the dungeon of affliction. And there's a longing and there's a cry and God hears the cries. And that continual prayer and we get encouraged by the Lord's Spirit through his word we get encouraged to keep pressing and keep knocking and the Lord is not aloof he's watching over us even during the severe affliction and the repeated afflictions he's so near I could remember well as a teenager being up all night trying to get some relief from the asthma attacks, which were extremely severe. Frantically, while everybody's sleeping, trying to open up the passageway when the medicines didn't work, just this nervous energy of trying to go up and down and back and forth, trying to get some relief and uh, getting the Vicks and putting it in hot water, which was not good for me at all. It actually make the asthma attack worse, and I didn't know. 
and their suffering would intensify even more and they feel like dying and these are the times when the Lord helped me to really reflect on life how everything is relative to our ability to function and without his mercy we could not continue at all the Lord draws us through the times when we go through severe affliction and as you've heard oftentimes God speaks in a very special intimate way to us with revelation during the times when we feel from the enemy's side from his words that we are forsaken and left the Lord says I'm there with you I know exactly what suffering means the Lord is able to bear our burdens and so we are able to roll the burden upon him as we cry to him the Lord relieves us this cult was tied and when it was loosed only then could it be used in the service of the Lord so they went their way and found the cult tied by the door outside on the street and they loosed it but some of those who stood there said to them just as the Lord told them that someone would ask them what are you doing loosing the cult and they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded so they let them go then they brought the cult to Jesus and threw their clothes on it and he sat on it and many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road unless and until our service to the Lord is over our earnest desire according to God's will perfect will should be Lord I want to carry you the carrier of your message everywhere loose me from this Lord and we rebuke the devourer in Jesus name one that is consuming our time and energy sometimes in just trying to survive when we should be able to minister and fulfill the ministries given us and God's will that we do not settle for affliction do not settle for time away from serving God that the purpose is served as soon as possible and we're back on our feet unless the Lord has given us the assurance that your ministry is over you've completed it and we have that satisfaction and then we go to be with the Lord but until that time we're meant to seek and expect God to deliver us from every obstacle 
and many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Mark 11, verse 8. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, or O praise, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Quotes from the Old Testament, including the Psalms. Those of you who have the margin with references or in the center column, you'll see that it's a direct quote from Psalm 118, verse 26. Back to Mark chapter 11, verse 10. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. So the people acknowledged that Jesus Christ, out of the house of David, as was prophesied, is coming. In the name of God, is coming. And there's this triumphal entry, and the people are rejoicing. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. The Lord didn't stop to mingle with the admirers. He could never be swayed from his purpose. What a lesson for us to receive as we read the life story of Jesus Christ on the earth. He could never be stopped or distracted even for a second from his mission. And he calls us to be like that. And it comes through prayer the communion with God to help us to see when flattery may be trying to make an inroad into our world or when someone's fury may try to discourage us and frighten us. We reject both. We continue to pursue the will of God in our lives. We want to follow the Lord. and We want to finish the work and that's the message you also hear from us as Gerber talks about it often I want to finish my mission from the almighty God the most high God who called me like the apostle Paul once it's over we fly away to be with our Lord forever that eternal perspective keeps us from distractions and from pity parties and from whatever the devil will try to do even in the midst of ministry with other people who may not have that same understanding or desire who the enemy can use to actually derail us from that singular call God has in our lives. Jesus went into Jerusalem he was just passing through and the people acknowledged according to the prophecy. And he went right into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. He surveyed his father's house. 
We think about our zeal, our connection with our Father's house, the connection that we have with His body, being part of it, the concern that we have that the body of Christ needs to be all that God wants it to be, that God can dwell in the midst of it, in the praises of it. And we know that the Bible calls us to be a holy house. As the Lord said when he overthrew the money changers with the tables and made a whip out of the cords, in my house it's written shall be a house of prayer it's a place where you're supposed to come and commune with God and worship and you made it into a business what a tragedy and what a temptation when the human mind can step in to the divine will begin to calculate and make a cushion for oneself to be comfortable when Jesus was concerned about the cross. The mission involves us continually caring for what God cares about. To be single-minded. He knew exactly what was in the temple. He's not only been there before, but he can see. Just like we mentioned, he saw Nathaniel before Philip ever called him. He said, I saw you under the fig tree. Verse 12, now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs, just Looking at the words in this text without commentary or consulting commentaries, we see the Lord had hunger as he is the God-man, fully God, fully human, the incarnation of divinity. He was hungry when he came out from Bethany the next day. And he saw in the distance a fig tree and it had leaves and he went intentionally to see if it would have fruit. When he came to it, he expected fruit. He found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. If it's not the season for figs, why would the Lord go to the fig tree if it's not the season, if nothing's supposed to be there? But there's an indication that it had something, so he went near it. Mm -hmm. 
in response to finding this fig tree that had leaves but no fruit, he said, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. The Bible does not go into the comparison of that tree with a human being in a spiritual comparison or analogy. This occasion is mentioned to teach a lesson on faith and speaking the word of faith. However, as you see, the New Testament writers inspired by the Holy Spirit taking Old Testament texts and drawing from them spiritual lessons and meaning in reference to the Lord Jesus Christ and the plan of salvation, the New Testament authors inspired by the Holy Spirit, they do that. But when you look at the original text, you see a wealth of meaning and practical spiritual application hidden as gems in a treasure chest. Similarly, when we read this, we can see how upset the Lord was, and rightly so, because this thing posed as if it had something to offer, but when he went to it, it was barren. When the Son of Man returns on the earth, will he find faith? How many people would say and swear that they're Christians and they have tons of Bibles active in the ministry even perhaps. But as Jesus looks at their lives, they have leaves but no fruit. How it should make us cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to always have fruit. To preach the word in season and out of season from a life that is abiding in that word. I want to have fruit, Lord. I'm tired of barrenness. I'm tired of even producing little to no fruit. When your perfect will is abundant fruit, may my life produce fruit that is pleasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we ever go wrong if we understand this much from these three verses and pray such a prayer sincerely. What a delight. Such a prayer, such an understanding would be pleasing, well-pleasing to the Lord because that's His heart. That we would understand that we need to know if He's commending us, not commend ourselves. More than what even people say, do I have God's commendation and approval? I can know from reading the scriptures what he's looking for 
and what qualifies as well-pleasing fruit to him. And all of us have such an access to the Father. I can thank God a million times. It won't be enough because his love is so great. If I ever cry out to him and say, Lord, I'm barren in this area. I'm barren here. Lord, it's not your will for me to be barren. I want to be fruitful. Please help me to make this a priority to seek your face so that I can be fruitful. Two, take out the weeds and those pesty insects, the creatures that come and strip me of that spiritual vitality I need continually to produce the fruit. The distractions and the lies of Satan. In this case, it's also reminiscent of the parable the Lord told of the owner of a field who told the servant, this tree is just taking up the resources. There's no fruit here. What is this tree doing here among all the resources I have here taking them up using the resources but producing no fruit other trees are producing fruit don't let this one cumber the ground be cumbersome just remove it and the servant pleaded and said please one more year because it's been three years maybe it'll bear fruit on the fourth year oh God can you hear an angel say that or a servant of God. And the intercession goes that if after one more year of examination this thing still doesn't produce fruit, I myself will cut it down. I'll take the initiative. That's a very sobering thought. It's a very sobering thought. But it's a necessary reflection that I want to bear fruit because the Lord planted me in his vineyard. His expectation as it was here when he went to the fig tree was that there may be fruit. I know it's not seasonal, but it had an appearance that it would have fruit. There have been various explanations, but I stick with the text and it's very obvious the Lord expected to find something on that tree. That was the indication the tree gave. When he didn't find it, he cursed it. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. And then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple, incidentally, we're having a conversation, our brother and some of us, just recently about a temple in another religion where the people have access to the their spiritual attraction within the temple, uh, where people are able to buy the seats that are closest to that particular object of worship or object of good luck or whatever it was that according to the amount you pay you get the close access to it and those who pay less they're further away from it and this 
brother said that in that other religion, he knew something was not right. How can this be? That your money can buy you into heaven, as it were, or make you more able to access that which many people want. And I shared with this brother that in the Christian churches for a long time, I don't know if they still do it in what parts of the world, but they had pew rentals, P-E-W, meaning those seats in the churches, that people would pay a fee. It was recorded. You had to secure your seat by renting the pew. How could people miss the scriptures, Christians? Jesus went into the temple, began to drive out those who made money the object of worship, those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares or vessels or sales items through the temple. Then he taught them, saying to them, now he didn't go there, obviously, uh, very gentle with a long robe and hands clasped and walking one millimeter at a time, very gently and softly. He went in there with zeal. He began to drive out. He basically threw them out of the temple, as we would say today. And he overturned the tables. Imagine the money flying. There's a big commotion happening. The Lord surveyed the temple the day before. And he came to do the Father's business today. To cleanse it. He said to them in verse 17, Is it not written, My house, this temple, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. Is a place where God's power and God's glory shall be seen. Where people would have access to the living God. Not to do business. Manipulate people. And give awards for the person who gave the most money. And put plaques on the wall in their name. What kind of mischief the devil works into hearts that don't know the scriptures and don't want to know the scriptures. They don't want to know the truth, even if they read the scriptures. The Lord gives them the judgment right there on the spot. You, you're a bunch of crooks, he said. You've made it a den of thieves. We're warned very, very strongly in the scriptures not to be greedy, not to be covetous, to covet, to want, to get. Get what other people have. Get more for myself. The covetous heart, according to 1 Corinthians 6, will take a person to hell. And elsewhere it's written, we're called to guard our hearts that we do not end up in hell because of love for money, 
love for property, love for material gain. There's a place in which to thank God and thank Him for the prosperity and expect the prosperity and enjoy the prosperity all within the limits that God has set for us. How will we know unless we consult God, which is reading His Word, and get the conviction of how? Not to jump to extremes, not to say, well, I can't have this or that because it will make me less spiritual and religious, which God never said it should affect your spirituality. But to enjoy what God has provided. Uh, to be righteous, to have integrity, to not have ill-gotten gain, but righteous gain. And have it disposable always in our hands. That is, ready to part with it and to use it however the Lord says to use it. Never to cling to it. As I've mentioned before, there are people, even uh, distant relatives who literally died wanting their jewelry to be turned into, ground into powder, put it into a cup of water, and they literally have taken that water, they drank from that cup with the gold particles from their jewelry, and then died. They couldn't die without having that in their system. They couldn't die without having that in their system. How greed can take over a person. It's a monster. It's an evil spirit. It's greedy for food. Greedy for money. Greedy for success. Greedy to be heard. Greedy to have the last word. Greedy to win the argument. All kinds of greed. But primarily he's talking about material gain. But the heart is just not under control. If it's not one thing, it's another. It's a transfer of a demon. The demon has the papers saying, I own this soul. And the soul wakes up to that particular unprofitable lust. The other demon is ready to say, well, you'll feel good about yourself. So you lost some weight. You got over that. I have something else for you. One demon transfers the papers of ownership to another demon. Another addiction. Another thrill in this world. It'll take them to hell just the same. These people were covetous. They are greedy. They had no intention of worshipping the Lord. They came to worship their wealth. And the Lord threw them out of the temple. How wonderful Jesus is. The same Jesus who took the little children into his arms ever so gently and carefully so lovingly and put, their, put his hands on their head and blessed them and gave them back to the parents to the great delight of those fathers and mothers. The same Jesus of whom it is written, a bruised reed will he not break, smoking flax will he not quench. He won't harm anyone. Is blameless and harmless, the Bible says. But when he saw the devil show up through people in his father's house, he got angry with the righteous anger and he took action. May the Lord give us that zeal. When we see evil try to come into our house, when we see evil trying to come into our conversation, 
to be on high alert and say, I'm not letting this come here. Stand up for the truth. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might get rid of him. He's a troublemaker. He's destroying our business. We have a great thing going here. We know exactly how to funnel the funds into our greedy fingers. This man is tearing up the whole enterprise. We have to kill him. For they feared him. They couldn't do it right there. Because all the people were astonished at his teaching. Why? Because we see in the other scriptures, his word was with power. It had power to heal sick people, set the oppressed free, give hope to the poor people, raise the dead, change lives inside and out, person to person, city by city, whoever would receive him. When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now back to the fig tree. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Can you imagine that? The tree that he cursed, it wasn't just uh, leaning to one side with part of it on the floor. And you can see the decay top to bottom. This was a case of bottom to top. From the very foundation, it was gone. The moment the Lord pronounced the judgment, it was over. How fearful to be judged by the Lord of having wasted all the grace He's shown us, never repenting, or holding on to something in this fleeting life, an idol, whatever it is, that we can't lay down at Jesus' feet and say, Lord, I'm free. You set me free like that colt. Nobody's going to bind me. Nothing will master me. You're my only master. If you want me to do this, Lord, I'm available to do it. If you want me to throw that out, Lord, at your word, I throw it out. Lord, whatever you want. If you've shown me my heart, Lord, something's not right. God, I want to take care of that. Yes, I can choose. I have the option to continue my way and always flatter myself have other people flatter me. You're doing good here, there. The part that we see about you as a human being is wonderful. But God knows the whole story. Certain things need to still go. To come to that point and say, Lord, I don't ever want to hear from my Savior's lips. He didn't produce the fruit I was looking for. So I'm going to get it right today. Lord, Help me to lay down everything, Lord. I want you and you only. I want my heart to be right. Isn't it out of the heart that the Lord said in this very Gospel of Mark as we read? Bad things come out from that heart. Jealousies, bad-mouthing, gossiping, slandering, backbiting, speaking things behind people's backs and saying things that are not right before God, justifying oneself, all kinds of things. God says, that's not from me. The fruit I'm looking for is love. Joy. Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. The person who is very ready to forgive and to patiently endure. 
the person who's able to withhold words and think about it ten times before they speak. Why? Because words can cause a lot of damage. We've seen that in the book of James. If we're in the word continually, we continually get washed of all the things that are not good. This fig tree was dried up from the roots and Peter steps up and he recalls, Master, Rabbi, look, that's the same tree that you went to just the other day. You cursed it and look, behold, it's withered away, it's gone. He was just making an observation that what you said came to true. Completely, absolutely. Jesus replied, Have faith in God. He's not teaching them to go around cursing fig trees or cursing whatever they see that they don't like. No. The lesson embedded there is what we discussed earlier, but now the stated lesson here regarding faith and it's connected with what we spoke about previously because if you have real faith in Jesus you will fear the living God and say I've got to have fruit that will please my father that tree symbolizes a person who acts like a Christian but really doesn't keep God's commandments. The real faith is not there. And God came to judge. And he removes it. Very scary. But God includes it in the gospel. Why? To tell us that we should be careful. We don't go that path. He's not expecting us to go down that path. He's a good God. He has good thoughts about us. But he says there's a possibility you can get off the path. Be careful. And here he says, have faith in God, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. A huge mountain that would have taken years and years to form. In an instant, Jesus said, if you have faith in God, that thing that seems to be immovable in your life can just be plucked up and thrown into the midst of the sea. But it happens for the person who says words of faith. Notice faith in God. God's words. And doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. God's will. God's words. I can't be bound by anything. I've got to serve the Lord and I know I'm going to be freed by the Lord. Hallelujah. I can't be bound by covetousness, by pleasure. I'm here to do God's will because this life will pass. What if somebody lives 73 years on this earth? 
What if somebody lives to be 95? How many people have you and I heard who perhaps when we were especially much younger used to think, wow, they have lived a long, long time. Surely I have a long way to go and I can enjoy life and it's going to be a long time before I get to that stage. And these elderly people often say how quickly the years and decades flew. And here I am. A very short time, maybe a heartbeat away from eternity to face the living God. The, the opportunities that we have today to get everything right, to set our house in order, must be used. We must avail ourselves of it. We should be able to say, the hindrances in my life the hindrances in my life. God has given me His Word, His promises. It's time for me to act on them, exercise my faith, and begin to speak God's words. And also, just like in Romans chapter 10, that we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God has raised him from the dead. Romans 10, 9, 10. So the confession is one part and it must be there because the word of God is powerful. But we also need to believe in our hearts. Don't doubt. Keep praising him, thanking him. Believe. And thank the Lord. Lord, your word is true but not to parrot the verses, to really believe it. The Lord Jesus says he'll have whatever he says. Within God's will, all things are possible. God won't violate his will, but he'll do all things within his will. And we have thousands of promises that are available to us. In verse 24, he says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, whatever it is, when you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now, we can psychologically try to pump ourselves up by saying, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know God's going to do it and sing and shout and stomp and dance. But if the real belief is not in the heart, none of that will profit at all. So the cultivation of real faith within the heart must occur. It comes by continually being in God's word and saying yes every time God says something to us. Say amen. And then do our part to fulfill the conditions. That's how you get genuine faith. That's how God sees faith as being genuine and real and existent. When we really believe in our heart, what God said is true. God said, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm an overcomer. What is this garbage doing in my house? What is this garbage doing in my heart? To go after things that are, as we heard last evening, sewer water. 
I have nothing to do with these things. I hate these things. I love my Lord. I'm going to set up a plan to shoot down whatever the enemy tries to bring to me in those very areas that he had me before. That's what you call faith. Taking steps with the belief that God will aid me. He will help me. I will overcome. As I have mentioned before. This uh, section here, Mark 11, was the primary antidote, if you will, for my illness of 11 years, which just was ravaging in my body, destroying me. My whole life I was bound by severe asthma, rushed to the ER continually. God had a brother point these verses out to me, which he believed with all his heart. He said, you go read this and believe it. And I began to believe that even though it's been so long and nothing seems to work to get this asthma out of my lungs, this damage to the lungs and this difficulty and just trying to survive day to day, a number of times. And I began to praise the Lord for the deliverance, even before I felt anything. I began to speak what God said. Never did that before. Never knew that was commanded. I began to shout for joy and thank God for the healing. And the Lord took it away. Let's close with this. Again, so Jesus answered and said to them when Peter was astonished and he was perhaps trying to see if Jesus would be astonished. He was not. He knew exactly what he said and what would happen. And the Lord said, you want that in your life? That what you say will happen? Have faith in God. Because I'm telling you, if you say to this mountain, whoever it is among you, whoever says to this mountain, get out of my life in Jesus' name be removed and be cast into the sea. He does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask in prayer, ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Hallelujah. If you haven't highlighted these verses, it would be a great benefit to you. Two. Refer to this often so that your faith can be in God and the faith can continue to look to the Redeemer, the Savior, the Healer for the delivery of what you have said in accordance with His will, with your mouth and believed in your heart without doubting. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I pray that the force of the Word of God would take us over. We'll become, Lord, carriers of your Word, filled with your Word, speaking your Word with an overflow of the Word, consumed by your Word, while consuming your Word. Thank you, Lord. 
we need you to live and to overcome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that nothing in our lives is beyond the power of the living God to radically alter when it doesn't belong there. Your time has come. This set time of the Lord has come to loose us from the burdens. Hallelujah. 2022, we heard the prophecy God gave to Pastor for our church. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be a most blessed, miraculous year. All glory be to God. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Amen.